sometimes what happens is we create so many rules in our organization and it locks everybody down from really being able to do the true job because somebody's always afraid of some bit of imperfection. This is the Disrupted Podcast with Scott Middleton. Each week, Scott shares how he uses the leadership principle of disruption to keep his companies growing and moving in the right direction. Let's get started. Welcome to the Disrupted Podcast. My name is Jamie Preston, and once again, we have our disruptor himself, Scott Middleton. Hey, how you doing, Jamie? I'm doing well. Yeah, doing well. Scott, what have you uh, what have you been doing this Boy, week? Boy, I have lived up to my reputation <laughs> this week. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, so many things. Sometimes I wonder maybe um, if it's just my nature or I just see something that's not right and I want to go fix it, you yeah. know, as, as, as part of it. But um, yeah, there's been, a, there's been a lot of disruption and um, I think that it, you one of the I think the point I want to make out of this call today about this podcast is that um, that sometimes what happens is we create so many rules in our organization and it locks everybody down from really being able to do the true job mm. because somebody's always afraid of some bit of imperfection. Yeah. And and so that's what I kind of discovered this week over and over again in a lot of things as First example, I'll go always, but I'll start with my businesses and healthcare. Right. So, if you take a look at healthcare, one of the things that happened is that there were systems that somewhere along the line we kept building about who could do what. And so, what we realized is as we've in, in integrated into a new software program that's given us more data out there, we started seeing all of what I ca- they call ticklers, which is events that should occur related around a patient patient that gets put into our system and then somebody has to work those ticklers and then schedule the the appropriate appointments for those patients based on that so lab orders could have come back or there's some kind of uh, issue or or thing going on with a particular patient and so we have to address those things with Mm -hmm. those patients but what happened was we had divided up our our pods that we've talked about here before and each pod has social worker nurse uh, scheduler and medical assistant on it and then there's a counterpart for each day but they got locked into I'm a scheduler so mm. everybody else says I'm not scheduling an appointment because that's the scheduler's job I'm a medical assistant so I'm going to process medical orders but I'm not going to schedule an appointment and I'm a nurse and I'm evaluating charts and making recommendations and assisting EMP but I'm not going to schedule an appointment so what's happening is all these ticklers of things are piling on for this scheduler over here that necessarily can't keep up. But what's worse is that everyone, and then and then we started building these departments. We have a palliative care department, mm-hmm. we have a regular department, we have a psych department, we have a pharmacy department. So each one of them started picking up their own schedulers. <laughs> so, so to make sure that their patient visits got scheduled. And so what happened was that our patients were getting calls from everybody. Right. So, so, and some of them weren't getting calls from anybody because the tickler would go in there. Well, if the scheduler didn't get a hold of it, didn't find it, they didn't schedule it at all. Or mm-hmm. we got a schedule call from the pharmacist, one from the uh, psychiatric NP, one from the, the palliative NP, one from the regular NP, one for the doctor over here. And so patients were getting inundated with all these calls instead of just one right and so this week what we went back to was look anybody can schedule 
Yeah. You know, if I'm a provider and and I'm sitting with a patient and I need to do a follow-up and I say, hey, I need to follow up with you and we need to review all these labs next week, so we I need you to schedule another appointment, and they have their thing open, they can schedule the appointment, mm-hmm. you know? I really don't want my provider spending most of their time scheduling appointments, right. but I'm saying they could do that. Yeah. You know, all they have to do is say that, you know, it's time for that appointment. But if I'm calling, what I should be looking at is all the appointments need to be scheduled. So we empowered people this week. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find organizations don't do enough is empower people and say, it's okay for you to go out there and do. Instead, we try to create all these rules to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think, too, I think empowerment is is so positive um and i think i think that you have to give people permission to fail right and if and if if you have an organization that where if it's you know you fail it's it becomes disaster or you lose your job obviously if there's big big failures that's different right but if you don't give permission people permission to like you know mess up a little bit People are scared, and man, and, and then they don't do as good of a job. Well, our website last yeah. week, one of our websites didn't get updated with some of the events that were going on. And so Friday night, I realized that the events for Friday and Saturday are not on our website for our restaurant. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have anything, it doesn't look like anything's there. And I know good and well, we've got bands and groups yeah. coming in. And so I don't know where the drop is, but, you know, it all comes back to, well, that's so-and-so's job or something. Well, well. Only one person evidently has access to get onto our website because we were so afraid that somebody else would get on there and mess right. something up. And and I'm sure there was an event that occurred one day that caused somebody, ooh, I just need to create a rule about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, and, and it was actually, it was probably a misspelling that my wife read and saw and was you know, taken back because somebody <laughs> misspelled something. And so they, she probably said something to somebody and they all got in an uproar. Um, but really it, it can be fixed. And that's yeah. the point. If everybody is looking at the website, mm-hmm. that's the other thing is that I looked at it, but every, nobody else was looking at it. So yeah. everybody's looking at that on a regular basis, just to check and see how it's going in. But if they see an error, then just fix it. Yeah. You just know, fix it. It, it, <clears throat> just think of a company where you're walking around you see a piece of paper on the floor Pick it up. Right. Not, well, no, that's the janitor's job. No, it's not. No, it's everybody's <laughs> job. Exactly. Yes, it is the janitor's job, and you pay me way too much to probably pick up paper, but it's there. I can pick it up. Exactly. Yeah. So I think we've got to look at how do we empower people um, across the board. You know, our managers and our restaurants, they um, because they do have downtime during the mm-hmm. day, but I still have to have a manager there. And so there's things they can do if we empower them, yeah. whether it's fixing that website. And in fact, one of our managers had known that the website was broken and had re- Mm-hmm. it like three or four times and somewhere it just didn't get fixed yeah. and i'm not blaming anybody right you know for that my point is if everybody could fix it then they would yeah and then that would make our everybody's life a lot easier it so rem- empower people yeah and it reminds me of a principle too um that i have read in a book i can't remember where i've heard it but think like an owner you know right what, what would the owner do exactly if you can if you can get everybody thinking like an owner if they Man, would, and all they got to do is everything. think about the money. Yeah. So the yeah. money that flows in right. and out and you're sitting there going, oh my mm-hmm. gosh. Now, sometimes the decision to, to throw money at it, yeah. you know, which is, um, I, I, I did a, um, a forum today about um, 
things that were going on with the pandemic in terms of the arts and entertainment world, right. uh, which we are a part of uh, with our entertainment venues. And so there was another restaurant owner there and also somebody from the Coger Center, which is one of our um, uh, uh, theater places right. for live, live entertainment. And so at the end of it, it was kind of like, all right, so where do we go from here? And, and so I think what we've all discovered was that there are so many better ways that we can do things. We have mm-hmm. become very intuitive and we've been, we've, we've been change agents and we've been right. forced to change. And honestly, I don't think, because somebody made the comment, well, at what point does it just go back to normal? Well, mm-hmm. it doesn't. Yeah. And, and it's going to linger on. As one example, I asked everybody that was there, I said, raise your hand if you've been working from home, you know, over the last few months. Everyone's hand yeah. went up. This was Leadership Columbia, so it was all uh, leaders there. And I said, then, do this. Raise your hand. Uh, keep your hand up if you... Um, if you did, you were more productive working from home. Mm. About half of the hands stayed up. Right, were more productive. So what that says to me is that the world knows that mm-hmm. we will see a fifty percent drop in occupancy rates for offices over the next five years. Right, because people are going to figure out how to do this mm-hmm. and do this without having to be sitting in that space. Yeah. I, it, I didn't know how to do Zoom or Teams or anything like that. We had <laughs> conference calls, you know, yeah. uh, before, but now, every, I mean, that's every day. Mm-hmm. It's a Zoom, I had a Zoom call today, um, and it was one guy's in Chicago, one is in Indiana, one was in Charleston, and mm-hmm. me, and 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 we we got a lot accomplished. Sure. So by doing that, we're going to see business travel go down so mm-hmm. the airlines are going to be inf- affected the hotel business is going to be sure. affected it's going to change and we have to be able to pivot and be ready to change for that so what happens to the city of columbia mm-hmm. city of columbia has to become a place people want to live yeah not want to just work yeah. they have to be able to want to come and live as close to downtown as possible mm-hmm. and we can do that now because my kids can go to the best schools in the world yeah through zoom absolutely (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't have to move to these locations to get a good school they can go anywhere Mm -hmm. and that's what's going to happen with our public education yeah and i I think of charleston too i remember a couple years ago i went to i was at a city council meeting and they were it was a they had a presenter there that's working on um, transportation for charleston and in the problem you have charleston which is very expensive to live in downtown right but if you drive you know 30 minutes 40 minutes away it's affordable, you know, in Somerville and those those outlying, you know, West Ashley and those different places. Um, and what they're trying to get people to do, one of the th- projects, instead of building a big train or, you know, public transportation, which they're working on, but it's so expensive. Right. They're working on how can we get people to work where they live? Right. Not, you know, not, you know, commute. Work where you live. And that's what they've been working on is trying to to enhance that. Yeah, so um, I've been reading a lot about where we're going with the environment. And so the the environment and the pandemic have really been tied very closely <laughs> together. And, and if you've been outdoors lately, like... I went snow skiing the last two weekends. It's the best snow ski that mm. we've had in 10 years. Yeah. Um, I have to believe the pandemic reduced carbon emissions by something like 
twenty percent. Somebody somebody said twenty, and then somebody said, "Oh no, it was only two. But but I can just tell you that the world looks different. You know, I've seen pictures of all over the world of how rivers and um, you know they were talking about in Italy um, in mm-hmm. Venice how how clean the waterway was, and you yeah. could see the fish. And I was there a few years ago, and it's dirty as it can be. Right. The world just changed automatically. It's got to have an impact. But one of the things about the environment is that people who live in cities have a smaller carbon footprint than those who live in the suburbs. It's true. And so what has happened, though, is, and we can live cheaper in the city, but we haven't been able to do that, and part of that's the infrastructure. So if you go out to a neighbor, you know, brand new community, they cut down all the pine trees, and then they build these uh, houses, the, the county governments and city governments in those suburbs will build all the infrastructure, the roads, the sewers, the utilities, and things, and then they look at, well, how much are they going to make off of that over the next 30 years, mm-hmm. right? So um, that, they're, they're stretching out that payment. Well, here in the cities, the infrastructure is already there. So you think it should be cheaper right, right away. I should be able to build right downtown. And if I'm building up, it shouldn't be that much more expensive if I did more better apartments and stuff. Mm-hmm. People haven't been doing that, though, because we haven't been reducing the cost of that. So our city, for example, charges an exorbitant amount for a sewer tap fee, like 10 times more than they do yeah. out in there, out in the in the suburbs, because they can, or they thought they could. So they've been charging more and more because every time the city starts to shrink a little bit then they charge more for it well then Mm -hmm. it just shrinks more but they've been using that revenue and diverting that water sewer money from investing in the infrastructure water sewer and using that to pay police officers or fire departments or the hundred millions of dollars they spent our city spends on frivolous things like a new year's eve party that was virtual that was a hundred thousand dollars you know that's an expensive uh, virtual party yeah yeah but it would it it was all to get reelected, you know because i made a bunch of friends over there and i get reelected. so so i think what you have to look at is that we could do that if we change things around and we need to for not only for the environment but also for the city personally i love living downtown Mm -hmm. i mean it's just so nice to walk out the door and everything is there some people like their land you know mm-hmm. and and so sure. um people like to have that space and be able to do their thing but it there comes to cost and that's that carbon print and and eventually it should cost people yeah. so in the suburbs there should be a carbon tax yeah and there should be you should pay less if you're walking to work you're you know you're not commuting you're, you should pay less yeah i I'm, I'm pretty close that i could probably just get rid of the car if there was a way <laughs> we can borrow cars or get cars quicker yeah. you know like if i say hey i want to run up to the mountains this weekend i ought mm-hmm. to be able to go grab a car somewhere a lot of countries are doing that i know yeah. i know canada i was in vancouver a couple years ago and you can literally there's a car on the side of the road almost like the scooters now yeah right you can just just get in a car drive it you pay what you use you know and then drop it off and yeah you're you're good yeah you know our city uh we we had several scooter companies that came into our city and they the there were scooters and there were tricycle kind of things Mm -hmm. and stuff and it was great you could see the college kids whipping up around every time (laughs) and and our old city council was sitting there going oh my god this is going to be dangerous and and so they banned it for a year right. and so um, actually I just went out and bought a couple of scooters myself but it's not as convenient because I have to go get the scooter and then I've got to make sure it gets back right. somewhere whereas if I could just drop it off pick it up it's a whole mm-hmm. lot easier but none of, nobody wants to invest in a scooter company in the city because the city council's mindset is 
well, they may not like it and they may dump it again. Which and, comes back to rules. <laughs> which comes back to rules, <laughs> right. So so it goes back to the, you know, whether you're a government or a not-for-profit. And, and, and as we found with a lot of not-for-profits, especially in the arts and cultural world we were talking about today, there's their their board members are made up of volunteers you mm-hmm. know and those guys out there love that particular you know uh, uh, business or group and so that's why they're a part of it but they're scared to death because they don't want to take the risk and yeah. so what has happened is events just went away mm-hmm. you know the other um, restaurant owner that was there today he said I mean it's just like and no one's scheduling events he said I don't see any business sponsoring an event for another year Right. Because they're so afraid. Um, but, you know, today um, we, we were, uh, you know, we, I think yesterday's numbers in South Carolina, we were like 7% positive rates of those who are testing. 7%. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's just, and we're only testing people who are pre- using signs and symptoms for the most right. part. Our company isn't, but, but most of the world is. Um, it's pretty much, it's pretty over, you know. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty much over this thing. Uh, not to say that it couldn't come back. But why create more rules? Our city mm-hmm. council I was telling you they were they were going to re-up the, not just re-up the mask ordinance, but they were going to make it stronger and put more penalties on it. And all they're trying to do is, all they're going to do is drive people from our city mm-hmm. and people are not going to want to come downtown because I can go the suburbs and yeah. and not be impacted. Yeah, I so think of our, the, rules. the condo community we live in, in Charleston or Mount Pleasant. I went to go to the gym the other night. It was late. I, I just wanted to get a workout in. I get there. They have a sign on the door saying close at nine o'clock because of COVID. And I'm like, why wouldn't you want me here by myself? Right. At right. 10, 11, 12 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> why, why compress the time? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So everybody's trying to rush to the gym at seven yeah. because they close at nine o'clock. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and so the misconceptions have been like that all over with mm-hmm. the curfews that we had. Yeah. I mean, our, our city had a curfew for two months and, and you couldn't be out past, was it 10 o'clock? I think mm-hmm. at 10 o'clock. And so all that did, the grocery stores had to close at eight because their employees had to go home. It, it, it pressed everybody in together and spread COVID like wildfire. Yeah. And, and so I keep asking, like so today this was the uh, huge disruption for me when when this lady asked me she said what are you guys doing as leaders in this community and i never really thought about it i i'm a leader in this community i'm not elected or anything and and i looked at her and i said you know you've just inspired me i mm. i've been bitching and moaning and groaning about what the mayor may do or what the council might do and and i don't I shouldn't really care. I need to go do it myself. Mm. And so I turned over to the guy that's the the other restaurant owner and I said, you and I are the ones that can make this change. Yeah. So we need to go out there and say, this is what's safe. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to handle this situation Mm -hmm. and not wait around for somebody who's worried about who's going to, who's going to vote for them next time. Yeah. You know, so I, I was embarrassed as, a, as a, I am. I never really owned it, that I was a leader in this community. Mm. And I need to own that. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and take think, responsibility for yeah, it. Yeah, and I think I think we all need that. You know, whether wherever we work, the communities we live in, lead. 
pick up the ball and run. You know, I think. Right. You need to call your condo association yeah. and say, you're causing yeah, COVID spread. Exactly. And I'm embarrassed that I'm a part of this organization. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. so I'm going to go to the gym at nine o'clock with all my other right. guys down there and we're all going to pass COVID to yeah. each other. Yeah. And they, yeah. And it's so, so when, as we're winding down here, when, when is a rule good and when is a rule bad? Yeah. Yeah. So that was one of the debates that we had circling around today about the scheduling piece of Mm -hmm. it, you know, so, so where does it, where does it stop and where does it begin and Mm -hmm. who ultimately takes responsibility for it? Um, But I, I I think that you have to reevaluate those constantly and see how it's having an impact. Yeah. You know, um, so you, because we, and then we get in these habits and then we don't want to change you. You've heard the old story about, you know, I'm going to, the lady was baking a ham and she cut the ham in two and put it in two different pans and put mm-hmm. it in the oven. And the daughter said, why do you do that? And she said, well, that's the way my mother always did it. And yeah. Have you heard that story? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> and Absolutely. then, and eventually we find out well, grandma did it because <laughs> she didn't have a pan big enough for all ham yeah. <laughs> <laughs> versus the, the story. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we have to challenge almost everything we're doing, right. and we don't like to do that. Yeah, and certain personalities are different with rules. Like, you have a, you know, on the disc, you have a D personality that they don't really care about the rules. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to just do it, you know, whatever they need to do to get the job done. Then you have a C personality who's very rule-driven. I mean, they, they love their, you know, boxes. They love their organization. So you just got to, you got to have the right people. to. So one of the ladies asked me today, um, she said, um, as part of her question, she said, you know, with, with what's been going on with COVID, are y'all doing more to expand your outdoor areas Mm -hmm. and your, uh, the other events and stuff that you're doing outdoors? And, um, and I, and my response back to it, well, one of the arts, uh, the, the gal from the Coger Center, she said, yeah, we're actually going to different communities, which is really kind of cool, mm-hmm. but we're trying to do more outdoors because our people feel more comfortable with it. And I said, you know, what's interesting about that is I said, my wife and I've had this, um, we're just split. Our household is divided about pan, uh, the pandemic. <laughs> and I said, but what I know as a, as a public health official and, and as a, as a scientist in that role is that COVID will spread up to 18 feet outdoors mm-hmm. so if you if you spit out in the air it could pick it up and carry it 18 feet whereas indoors it carries about six feet right and I said so what happened was in New York City most of the restaurants are so tiny and they're packed mm-hmm. I mean you're two inches from each other there right. and so when they started pushing everything to outdoor dining is because they couldn't control the indoor dining and there's no way you would keep people six feet apart right you know and they weren't going to be able to police that in, mm-hmm. in any way so they just banned indoor dining but in South Carolina <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense when we have spaces that could hold 400 sure. and normally maybe only have 100 in there at a time um, it's it's just a different environment and so she looked at me really funny I said, I know my wife says the same thing. She's read all this stuff about you should do outdoor events, but there isn't any science to that, Yeah, you know, except Facebook maybe as Mm -hmm. the post. Um, But yet, I said, but yet we have expanded our outdoor areas and our outdoor activities because we have customers who do feel more comfortable that sure. way. And so I'm going to offer that. And for a while, my wife wouldn't eat in a restaurant. And and actually, the, the gal from the arts thing that was on the panel with me today, she said the last time I ate at a restaurant was like last October. Wow, which is weird. 
Or no, it was, I mean, yeah, no, it was uh, March. She said mm-hmm. it was March before the pandemic sure. started. So it's been a year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's so, yeah, I think you just got to be careful when you, if you make a hard, fast rule, be willing to break it. And know? also be careful about what, especially as if you're perceived as a leader mm-hmm. as to what you're saying out there. Yeah. You know, I got accused as being anti-mask. Um, I was the first person who called the city and said, your police officers aren't wearing masks. They mm. need to wear masks. This yeah. is being spread by, yeah. by, by, um, uh, through, through the air, by your spitting yeah. and, and nose you have and a mouth. Mask and I got, I got right my now. mask right here. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting, I was considered anti-mask, um, because, um, but because I, I came out later and said, I don't think it needs to be mandated. I just think that you start by example. And I mm. ask our city council to start wearing masks. Leadership. Right. And and they they wouldn't, individually, they didn't wear a mask until they mandated it. Mm. Yeah. And in fact, I had several council members who said, Scott, there's no science behind wearing a mask. That we, we don't know that that's, ha- that's happening. And so therefore, we're not going to ask our police officers to wear a mask. Hmm. When they, they should be looked at as community leaders. Lead by example. If, and if you don't, yeah, you don't have to make a law. But they right. think the only way they can do this is make a law. Yeah. And, and, and uh, so either, either they're just not smart, which I don't think that's the case, or they're trying to use the situation for something different. And mm. so to me, that if you're going to use a pandemic, and it not that you don't do everything you can when there's a pandemic to survive, whether mm-hmm. it's your business or your individual, it's different. But when you use the pandemic to get away with doing something you were going to do anyway. Right. And, and or and you're using that as your excuse. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that's what we have to look at too. Yeah, and I I, I remember some of the officials in California, which California has some of the most stringent rules and laws, you know, for for the pandemic, and they, the public officials, they caught them not adhering to their rules. Their rules, right? Just be example. But also, example. their spread in California is no different than ours. Yeah. Right. You know, so at the end of the day, somebody's going to analyze all this data to see who was right. Mm. And what I think they're going to see is that most of the stuff we were doing wasn't based in science. Mm. Yeah, it ends up being a political. Yeah. Like I don't, I'm not shaking hands yeah. with people right now, and and uh, they think it's because of COVID. <laughs> they, and they want to do a bump. Um, I mean, I probably have just as much spit on my hand and my fist as I do anywhere else. And so I I always do the turn and the yeah, and the the, elbow. We, the uh, elbow because what you're doing when you hit the elbow, you're also turning yourself around to a different right. side. Um, and you're not spitting in their face, mm-hmm. and they're not in yours. But it, you know, I said, well, it is flu season, although I haven't seen anybody who had flu this it's year. very low you know which is good it's, i think we're wearing masks we're wearing we're, masks so we're, we're not shaking hands we're do, doing those things so i would, would suspect do. next year that the government will require us to put our mask on during flu season yeah but that's ridiculous mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> who should wear masks Healthcare workers, <laughs> yep, there old people, mm-hmm. people who are susceptible, but and maybe that's one of the things that'll come out of this. If yeah. if you are older and very susceptible mm-hmm. to whatever it is with the flu, then put on a mask next year sure. and protect yourself. Absolutely, Scott. Thanks for all your wisdom. Thank you. Appreciate right. it. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Disruptive Podcast with Scott Middleton. 
follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter at The Disrupted Podcast. You can also help us out by giving us a five-star rating. Thanks for listening.